but we're going to look today um, at a, a message entitled Freedom. Uh, freedom. What do we live, or, or how do we live in freedom as Christians? It's a word that gets thrown out a lot. It's a word that we talk about a lot, and I think we have our, all of our own interpretations when it comes to freedom. So we're going to look to Scripture, and we're going to look at four areas of our lives where I believe we as a church, at where we're going, uh, we need to realize these areas. I think we need to correct these areas, and I think God has us to live in a place of freedom. Uh, so this whole message is something that I've walked through, I am walking through, continually walk through, and um, not targeting, not throwing out stuff like that. It's, it's personal life. It's life. Because you always have to speak of what's going on in your life, right? We can't just get up here and speak about knowledge because we're not giving anything. If, if we're not having something come in us, then, then it, you know, we speak from the overflow of what's coming inside of us so that way we can communicate to you guys. So it's, once again, it's, it's life that's happening um, in, in my life and, and things that we're walking through, and we're going to look at John chapter 8. We're going to be in the NIV the entire day, and we're going to be in John right now, and then we're going to Ephesians in a little bit, but John chapter 8, verse 36. It's a very simple verse, and we can quote this one, right? So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I don't know what the indeed is. But I want it if it has to do with my freedom, right? Because if the sun sets you free, you will be free. We could stop right there. If the sun sets you free, then you will be free. So how do you become that? How do you become free? You put your hope and trust and faith in Jesus, right? So we, we have to realize and understand that we have the fullness of Jesus as soon as we step in and say, here I am, I surrender, uh, Lord, I'm yours and you are mine. We have full freedom right there. But yet, so often in our lives, it doesn't feel that way. Uh, you know, the other week we talked about it, it's, um, if we're not careful, we're more worried into sin management than actually living free. We're more worried about what I can get away with and what I can hide and what I can move around than getting free. And you know what? Things compound in life, right? So uh, everything in our life from the day we were born up until now, either they all connect and they have something to do with each other, or, or they don't have anything to do with each other. But every moment, every interaction you've had with a human being, every time you were disappointed, every time you were excited, it all leads up to this moment and exactly here who you are and how you live life. And you, have you ever had one of those days where like, you just feel alive? You're like, man, the sky is bluer. Uh, it would be a weekend where Clemson loses and South Carolina wins, and we know that doesn't happen often. Um, it's one of those where you just feel alive, like you, I'm doing what I am called to do. Or have you ever felt that way? Because that's a place that we need to get to, if you're not. For me, it's behind the camera. Man, when I'm behind the camera and I'm able to tell the story of, a, of another human being, there is nothing in the world like that for me. Man, I, get to, I feel so alive because this is what I am called to do. This is what I am created to do is to tell this person's story. And it's such a, an exhilarating feeling. But man, you, you, it's freedom in that, right? It's freedom and able to act and to move. And, and that's what we were created for. But, but have you ever felt like that? Man, have you ever felt that alive? You're like, yes. It's a good day. 
That's the place where Jesus wants us to live from. That's where he's calling us to, to live from that freedom. Because we have to realize in this verse, uh, Jesus was trying to get the truth to us, not so that you have the right answers to a test, but he wants us to get you to a place where you can live in truth and be free and live from that moment. Because if he sets us free, then we're free indeed. There's no doubt, there's no question, there's no issue. So why do you keep dealing with the same things you keep dealing with? Why do you keep bringing things up? What's the, what do they say? Why do you keep reminding God of sins that he's forgotten? Um, but how is it possible that Jesus came to bring so much freedom, but yet we often live as if we're in bondage? I mean, we spend so much resource and so much energy, and we want God to give us something that we already have. You know, we, we, we try to, to get, well, man, oh God, I want to be free. I want to be free, and we're, we're going to do this. And he's saying, listen, you already have it. It's just a matter of you walking in it. You know, and if we're not careful, then we blame God that we don't experience something the way we think we should experience it, and we don't realize we actually gave it away years ago. Why? Because when we're in relationship with Jesus, we can actually live free. But it's us, up to us to actualize that experience. It's up to us to walk that out. But when we get to a place, when we, we hear the word freedom, it's almost like we want to just, oh, freedom, I can do whatever I want, <laughs> when that's not the case. You know, what is freedom when it comes to it? It's order. It's, it, there's things in place to protect you. That's what freedom is. You know, there's a study that was done with, with kids on a playground. And um, they, they set the playground up and they put a fence around the playground. And they realized that during recess, the kids were always at the fence, playing at the fence. They were never at the playground. They, they didn't understand why. They were, they were always messing around the fence. But then so they came in and they, they took the fences away. And they realized the kids always huddled at the playground. They would never go out past the bounds. Why? Because when we see bounds in our life, when we see things in our life, we always want to get as close as we can to the edge of it. I mean, think about a pond. When you go to a pond, you know it's deep, you know there's things in it, but you try to get as close as you can. You know, there's no child that's going to stay way back here, not on the edge, right? As a parent, you always have to look and keep an eye on your child because they're always going to be on the edge or you as a parent are always going to be on an edge. Because we want to get as close as we can. We want to, to pursue and go in as far as we can. And that's the same thing. We get this idea of freedom. So we say, well, I can do whatever I want, but I know that there's this thing called sin, so I'm going to get as close as I can to it, but not just be over the line. I'm going to hang out here. When God's saying, I want you in the middle on the playground doing what you're called to do and having a, a joyous life, not simply against the fence. Does that make sense? You with me? If we're not careful, we actually give up our freedom and, and take on bondage. But we, we get to a place where we can either give it up or we can live in it. I notice in my life so many times I try to treat symptoms, right? We try to, to, to treat everything around, man, I, man, why am I getting angry? Uh, why am I dealing with racism? <laughs> why am I dealing? It's not their issues. Uh, I try to deal with all the issues out here. When really the issue is in here. Because I can fight all day long and I can put all the resource I want to into everything that's outside of me and think that I'm trying to live in freedom when really freedom comes from the change that's in here 
Because then the change that's in here dictates everything to out here. Because at the end of the day, it's a heart issue. It's what's going on inside of me. When's the last time like you've been angry at something? But then you've stopped to ask yourself, why am I even angry? Like, why did this spark up inside of me? Why am I responding to this the way I'm responding to it? I know there are deep questions. There are things you have to think through. Why, why do I act the way that I do? But we have to realize that all the freedoms we receive on the outside pale in comparison to the freedom that we receive in here. Because once again, what happens in here changes everything out here. And that's how we begin to walk. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 32. Don't worry, it gets good by the end. It says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. This is another reason why we don't need daylight savings. We need the sun to stay up a little bit longer. Uh, it says, uh, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Do something useful with your own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. And it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling. Have any of you been brawling this week? Uh, And slander, along with every form of malice. And it says, be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So let's pray. We're going to look at these four ideas. So God, we thank you so much for your word and your scripture. God, that it's sharper than two, uh, any two-edged sword and it pierces to the point. So God, I pray that our hearts are pierced this morning. Um, God, with your truth, um, that we can see you and we can fall more in love with you. Because, God, we know if we can see you and fall more in love with you, then we cannot stay the same. Um, We just thank you for today. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You know, these verses, they don't seem like freedom at first on the outside. Because, once again, if we're looking on the outside, we're we're just seeing uh, symptoms of what's going on. But if we begin to look at these verses and begin to look and realize that the freedom comes from the inside... It begins to change uh, our perspective. It begins to change how we look at situations. And in verses 26 and 27, it says, In your anger, do not let the sun go down. Do not give the devil a foothold. Nothing will steal your freedom like anger. It's a curious thing. You know, in life, um, we hear the word addiction a lot, Right? Uh, from opioids to uh, alcohol to I mean, tobacco to pornography. There's, there's so many things. Um, but you know, one of the great difficulties with addiction is that your body begins to react to what's taking place and your body actually becomes master over your mind. You ever try to go on a diet? <laughs> you know, you've eaten donuts for 20 years and you say, I'm cutting out donuts 
And then you wake up and you try to go through a day and your body is like, I need a donut. <laughs> it's not even your mind. Your mind's made up, but your body says, I need a donut to function. That's right. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's think of, with coffee. It's the same way. I am to a point in life where I need coffee to function in the morning. And it's, you know, I can tell my mind I don't need coffee, but guess what my body does? It says, you need coffee. It, it's, well, they say it takes seven days to develop a habit. Uh, and it takes 21 to break it. It takes three times as long to break a habit. So we have to realize in life that, one, if we have developed habits, it's going to be a process to unwind. It's going to be a process to peel back the layers. But we can never get to a place where our body has mastery over our mind and is controlling the shots. You know, our urges, our things that we want begin to, to, to create or, or create opportunities for decisions that we shouldn't be making. That's the issue with addiction it's it's a slippery slope it says in anger do not sin in anger do not sin some of the worst decisions come from when we're angry right i mean think about we can go to the news and hear story after story or we can even think of decisions in our own life of man when you are angry how many walls have been punched (laughs) how many holes have been created and then you have to go get the stuff to patch the hole in the wall and then you have to go to Lowe's and then they take too long and then customer service isn't doing what you think they should do and it just compounds in each other and while you're trying to fix the hole in the wall all you can think about is the poor service you received at Lowe's because you make great decisions when you're angry (laughs) no we have to get to a place where we begin to free our mind where we can understand what's going on and we can develop mastery over our rage our anger our bitterness because if we're not careful these things will cause us to lose our freedom i know you're thinking well jesus got angry well we need to look at two things one you're not jesus (laughs) we get that one out of the way two i don't think we're getting angry at the same things jesus was getting angry at Jesus was getting angry at hypocrisy and injustice and people being invalidated, people being thrown out, people being mistreated, not the fact that someone just cut you off. You know, he he wasn't riding a donkey and another donkey cut him off. (laughs) Jesus had a donkey that had WWJD on the back of it. (laughs) That wasn't the case. Um, But why do you get angry? I mean, think about it. Why do you get angry? Have you ever noticed how your anger can erupt out of a meaningless situation? I mean, somebody in passing just happened to say the wrong thing and all hell breaks loose. It's like years of oppressed thoughts just fly out and your anger is not in proportion to what what took place. Why? Because there's a reason. This one stings a little bit. No one makes you angry. No situation makes you angry. The anger is, on, in, in, is what is inside of you, and that situation punctures that moment, and the anger is what seeps out. That one hurts. The moment brings it out. The anger is just there. So how do we begin to work through that? How do we begin to ask ourselves? Because think about it. The person who makes you angry is a person that you would never give control over your life. Right? 
You would never give them and let them be the master of your life. But as soon as you become angry, you give them the power and you lose everything. So often we think anger is a, it can be a sign of, of strength, but actually it's a sign of weakness. When we just blow up. So how do we begin to walk through this? It takes strength to restrain your anger. Now, I'm not saying that you can never get angry. No, it's how do you fuel it? How do you use it to continue to create freedom and not become bound by it? How do you let it bring change about in your life? (laughs) Then, you know, let it be something that holds you back. It says, do not let the sun go down. Twelve hours in a day. Roughly. Why does he tell us this? Why does he say, do not let the sun go down on your anger? Why? Because your brain cannot distinguish between an experience and a memory. Because if it happens, then your body feels it happens to you over and over again. So when you are offended, when you got angry that one time, and you begin to rethink it, it's like you're experiencing it again mentally. You begin to continue to think over it, and it continues to happen again. I mean, think about it. It happens to you once. And then a few minutes later, you're like, wait a minute, what did they just say? And you begin to think over again, how dare they say that? And you think over it again, and you just continue to think over it and over it. And it's like it happens to you over and over and over again. And it's, it makes you matter and matter. And that's what he's saying. Like, you have to get rid of it before the sun goes down. Because whether you realize it or not, you can't control your dreams. And as you begin to think about it and, and dream about it, it's going from happening once to happening a thousand times. And if you couldn't forgive them for it happening once, how are you going to forgive them for happening a thousand times? So we have to begin to think and process, or otherwise we become a prisoner to our mind and our anger. So we have to learn to free our mind and not let the sun go down. Who's the more spiritual one? The one that sits back and seethes on it? Or the one that's willing to humble themselves and say, listen, this is what took place. I just need to work through this. We, we think our emotion can be a sign of weakness. When that's not the case. I mean, think about this past week, as as Pat brought it up. We've come to a place in our country where just the mention of the opposing political party brings such rage and anger. When at the end of the day, that person's a human And God loves them just as much. At what point can we define somebody off of their political party? We, us, as a body. We can't. We can't. (laughs) The kingdom of God becomes way before Republicans and Democrats. So we have to get to a place where we love people. We put our bias aside. We know, you know what? There's hope in our country. Why? Because we're still here. Because I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe in my country and I'm going to believe and, and pray for people who don't agree with me. <laughs> we, we can't let such anger and rage. Why? And that's what it's doing. Anger and rage has been enveloped and it's the heart of humanity that's throughout. And it's just those simple things. It's just bringing it to the forefront. But what if we can be people who speak truth and speak life and don't let our anger bring rage but let it fuel us 
to love people. Don't worry, I'm moving on. <laughs> Verse 28. Um, it says, And anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. That's pretty simple, right? But must work. Do something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. You know, if we're not careful, we get hung up on the first part. You know, if you're stealing, stop stealing. That's simple, right? Don't do that anymore. But what it's also saying is to free up your talent. It's saying, you know, don't steal any longer, but you need to work. You need to do something. Free up your talent. Begin to create is what it's saying. Because if, you, if you're made in the image of God, then you are a creator. So he's saying, bring your gift. Bring your work to the table. And do something useful with your own hands. And that leads us to a place that then we can live a generous life, just like we've talked about in church for the, this entire year. So if you still stop stealing, get a job, work. Just think of how many problems would be solved if people just got jobs and started working. <laughs> Not out of obligation, but out of intention. I heard a guy speaking one time, and he's like, I don't like my job. Uh, he said, so I quit calling it a job. He said, I started calling it my monthly support. Uh, he said, because I see myself as a missionary now, and this company is now paying me, so therefore I can do what I'm called to do. And he said it begins to take the pressure off. Not that he was even witnessing to those that he was working for. He's like, but because they are paying me, it's, you know, in my time, I am able to witness and do what I am called to do. So I no longer call it a job. I took the pressure of a job off of it. I know it's my monthly support. But if we no longer worked out of obligation, but once again out of intention, we were designed to create as human beings. And if we don't do something with our abilities, our talents, our giftings, guess what? We will never feel fulfilled. And that's why, man, tomorrow's Monday. I've got to go do this again. Because you're not fulfilled. It, there's something missing on the inside. It's out of obligation, not out of intention. Do something useful. It's saying to, to go from stealing to contributing. That you're not just a vacuum, that you're not just sucking up resources, but yet you're bringing resources to the table. I love it. If you care about people, then this is the idea of a servant, right? To go to do something to help other people. We can be generous and free our talent and our giftings for those around us. Now this next one. Mm. Do we want to talk about this one or we want to skip it? <laughs> Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Isn't it amazing that nowhere in Scripture does it ever say, please stop talking good about others? But it only says, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Free your words so we can be, live a life of encouragement. We're never told to stop saying good things. We're only told to stop saying bad things. Have you ever noticed when someone gives you bad news, it's like fire, like you can't keep it in? You have to get rid of it. Am I the only one? Man, i got to text somebody. <laughs> somebody else has to know this. I can't keep this inside. But when somebody gives you good news, you're like, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good for you. 
It's amazing the, the power that it has. Maybe it's just me, but, but something negative, man, you just can't keep it in. You, you have to, you know, we as humans do that. You, you don't see people on, on social media going around looking for people doing their absolute best. You know, paparazzi doesn't live in L.A. taking pictures of celebrities out hugging their children and loving on humanity. We're always looking for the negative thing. Man, I have to say it. I have to get it out. I can't believe they did this. They wore that to church. What's wrong with them? Over there talking to people. I know I'm the only one, right? But then if we're, we're super spiritual, we're just like, I need to tell you something that you need to pray about. Can you believe they did this? I can't believe they did that. We just need to pray for them is what we need to do. <laughs> we're so quick to share those things and talk about those things. Man, we, we have to be a people who captures their words so they don't destroy, because they do. And it's such, a easy, it's such a place to get in. It's so easy to get into a negative, cynical place. Man, just to, be, to begin to tear things apart, or I would have done it this way, or, or this way, or, man, they're good, but... Uh, you know, we, we were listening to a, 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 a Bible study this weekend, and he was talking, he said, you know, for the wages of sin of death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And he, he focused on, on the but, and he said, it, in that placement, in that sentence, it negates everything in the first part of the scripture. So the wages of sin are no longer valid, but it's the gift of eternal life. But it's the same way. Man, that's good, but... And then everything we said before the but is negated because we're about to say something that we shouldn't. What if we were able to capture our words that destroy, but yet free words that build? I mean, when's the last time when a conversation started like this and you stopped and said, you know what, should we really be talking about this? When's the last time we simply had to spread the good news? And when's the last time we had to share the dirt? I mean, we have to get to a place with a rule of thumb of the only way I'm going to talk about this is if it benefits that person who is listening and it builds someone up. We do. Let's be a church known for talking about people, but yet for talking about in a building and encouraging way. How is it that we're never reprimanded for gossip? Man, it's quiet. We're, we're not, right? We can call everybody else out on everything else, but yet we're never reprimanded for gossip. If, if you don't know the truth, you shouldn't be in the conversation. If you have to know just enough to develop a side, you shouldn't be in the conversation. There should be no side that's picked. We have to get to a place where we're speaking life. Once again, so let's get to a place where we talk each other up rather than down. It's an easy place to get to. I'm guilty of this. But it's stopping and realizing, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, what am I doing? And you know, it's been a process because you know, I've prayed these prayers and over the past few weeks, it's, it's amazing when you, you step into a conversation and you want to say something, how the Holy Spirit quickens you. And he's, he's asking me on the inside, do you really want to say that? And part of me is like, absolutely I do. <laughs> but then that's the part of me of like, you know what? 
then I really shouldn't. Let me speak life over people. Let me speak truth over people. Let me be the end of the gossip that's spreading. Let it stop with me. Because it's not going to go any further. You know, it's like the game telephone, right? You guys ever play telephone? If we started with Myra and went around, the, we whispered something in Myra's room and it went all the way back around to Pastor Tim. What I whispered in Myra's ear would probably not be what Pastor Tim is saying. So let's be people who speak life. Because if we know that's going to happen, if it's all life, then it's all going to be good. But if we know it's going to be negative, it's just going to tear down. It's going to debilitate. It's going to bring people down. And it goes on to say, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day. Do not grieve. So we got free your heart, free your mind, live a life of forgiveness, but don't grieve the Holy Spirit. When we begin to free our words, we need to know that our heart will be released. And, and what it's talking about grieving here, it's, it's, uh, it's like <laughs> doing what we're not supposed to do. Quit doing that. Stop grieving the Holy Spirit. Have you ever thought, <laughs> it's a joke, uh, around you know, some of the guys that's been hanging out with me and... Um, Typically, when a situation I can't control happened in life, there were certain words that come out. Four-letter words. Um, you know, you hit your hammer with, a, or hit your thumb with a hammer. Um, you, you know what I'm talking. Don't look at me like that. Y'all do it too. Somebody cut you off. Uh, judgment in here. Um, and it's, but it's a little. Tr- I told you I'm I'm on this process, and you know it was the, the other week I got <laughs> I got stung in the neck. Out here on the work day. There was a word I wanted to say, but it didn't come out. And then I got stung again. <laughs> and I wanted it to come out. I got stung the third time, it came out. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> third time's still the charm. But it's still a process. And I, I say all that to is what comes out when the world shakes you? Like when you're rattled, when something's going on, what comes out? What's the first thing that comes out? It's usually not praise Jesus. It's not. But it's what's hidden down in there. It's bringing stuff to the top, right? It's what comes out when the world shakes you. Um, verse 31, it says, uh, or verse, yeah, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. You know, these were first century followers of Jesus, and they're talking about brawling in the church. <laughs> they're talking about, they're, they're not talking about just like, they're talking about legit fighting in the church. Could you imagine we came in here and somebody was sitting in Miss Pat's seat and she just throws them over the second row and the brawl breaks out? You know, they are brawling in church. Man. Why? But he's saying free your heart because you can't hang on to these things. But he's saying free your heart of bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander. Um, how has words spoken over you determined your life to where you are now? In a negative way. How has a situation where someone did something to you led you to this moment 
Are you still full of bitterness and rage? Because it's amazing when these things are prevalent in our life, we, we build our life around them. So that way we never get bitter again. Or we hope to never get bitter again. Or we hope to never get angry again. But yet, we still find ourselves bitter and angry. Because if you're not careful, uh, in, in Proverbs it says, what you behold, you become. So if all of our life is spent is I'm never going to do this, I'm never go- I'm never going to be bitter. I'm never going to be bitter. I'm never going to be bitter. I'm never going to do that to someone. I'm never going to be bitter. Then all of our time and our effort is focused on what? Bitterness. So guess what? You're going to become bitter. That's why it, it, it says your mercies are new every morning to, to let my words guide you. So that way when our focus is on God, when our focus is on Jesus, when it's on the Scripture and the truth, then that's the constant reminder. Man, it's the truth that sets me free. I don't have to live by this. I mean, when those times come, once again, it's the heart check. It's getting things right here and then letting it flow out. That you don't have to deal with bitterness and rage and anger anymore. But yet you can walk through it. We can't let our circumstances shape us. Jonathan, you'll come. We have to free our, our heart because we can't, we, can't, we can't hang on to these things. Even the physical toll it takes on people. You ever met someone who's just bitter and angry? Man, they're downtrodden. They're not happy, smiling people. Because it just begins to seethe. It just begins to develop inside of you. And like we were saying earlier, your body begins to take on how you respond and how you react. And, and you have to get to a place where, once again, your body does not take mastery over your mind. But yet you can still put things in place. Here's what I've learned. When people are critical and condemning, that means they are unhappy with their life. Mm. You're upset with where you're at, so then your anger begins to come out against others of who they're becoming. But when we can free ourselves, when we have to learn to have grace for ourselves, it's amazing what happens to other people. We can see in Scripture where, where Jesus took the Ten Commandments and He brought them down to two. He said, love the Lord God with all your heart, And he said what? Love your neighbor as yourself. We always forget that part. As yourself. I had one of my friends call me out a few months ago and was talking to him in life and he just stopped me and said, you know what? You have zero grace for yourself. None. He said, that's why you end up in the situations that you end up in. You don't cut yourself any slack. And he said, if you're not careful, those who are in your life who are closest, you're going to cut them off too. Because don't we do that? We have people who, who we know how we respond. And man, God, I should be doing this. I should be doing this. And when we have our bubble of people around us, but then when somebody steps across that bubble, it's like something changes and we can just tear them apart. How could you not do that? Why is it this way? Why? Because... I don't have any grace for myself. I can't love my neighbor as I love myself. Because I don't love myself. 
So we have to get to a place where we live in freedom, where we can free our mind, where we can free our heart. Where this is the standard. How can we not forgive people? (laughs) I mean, Scripture says it. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ's God forgave you. How can we not forgive forgive people when we've been forgiven so much ourselves? We can't hold people guilty of what they've done. Because here's the thing. The past is the past. The future is... The future is a figment of our imagination. It is. We hope it's here tomorrow, but we have no control it if it is or not. All we have is where we're at right now. And if I'm not happy where I'm at right now in my relationship with Jesus, if I'm living from bitterness, from angry, from anger, if I have unwholesome talk, if I'm more in the, the business of tearing people down than building them up, then there is a heart issue that's seething. But I love what John 8.36 says. Why? Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Why? Because He died so we can be beautifully and wonderfully free. Amen. I'll just thinking about how to end this and, and man, how do we do this? And I was like, you know what? Out of one of these four, I can, I can check the box on almost all four at given times in my life, given times in my month and my week. So I know I'm not the only one. So my thought was, you know, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit does what he does best. You know, the Holy Spirit comes to convict, not bring condemnation. But He comes to convict. Why? Because He's pushing us to this point to where we can truly live free. And we have to recognize that in our life, that the Holy Spirit is at work daily and, and in our lives and, and, and moving. Um, it's just a matter if we realize it or not. If we're attentive to it to not, uh, or not, or we push it out of the way. So we'll pray a simple prayer for us all today. Just bow your heads where we're at. So God, we just come to you in this moment. Man, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you so much that you stick to your word. God, that when we lift our voices up, God, your presence comes down. God, it's always true. God, we thank you that you've loved us so much. God, that you want us us to live free and free indeed. And God, we thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to be our our confidant, our comforter, our, our guide. So God, right now in this room, I pray that your Holy Spirit begin to touch hearts. God, if there's any areas, uh, uh, as we talked about this morning, if there's any areas evident in our lives, God, I pray that conviction moves in.
God, I pray that phone calls have to be made by today, by this afternoon, to settle that anger, to settle that bitterness. God, as we begin to think about this, that the, the enemy is going to try to bring in anxiety as we begin to think about these thoughts. And, and um, God, I pray that your peace just rests in that moment. Um, God, that your Holy Spirit is just present. And God, you do what you do best. And that's causing us to fall more in love with you. God, as this week goes and, and moments that come up in life, God, that, man, we go to speak that it can only be life. God, that you convict when that thought comes up. God, when that person cuts us off. God, when Lowe's takes too long. God, that we can just rest in the moment. God, I pray for those that, that may feel unfulfilled. Um, God, I pray that you just remind them of dreams, of ideas. God, that you remind them of their talents, of their callings. And God, I pray that there's an opportunity and a space for them this week just to step into it once again. God, let them be reminded of that. God, because these dreams and callings that you have placed inside of them. God, we thank you so much that we get to do this thing called life. God, we thank you so much that we get to do it with you. And God, that we get to do it with one another. God, we thank you so much for grace. And everybody said, Amen.